Hello everyone and welcome to the Head to Head podcast, the show less about the answers and all about the arguments. Our guests will go head to head with each other over multiple rounds until finally one is declared victorious and wins the prestigious honour of having their name enshrined on the esteemed head to head scoreboard. So without further ado, let's introduce our guests. First up, we have FOSS 107's finest new edition. It's George Ellison. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Secondly, fresh off his victory in the debut episode of this show, it's Keir Shields. Hello again, everybody. And lastly, a Liverpool fan who's not from Liverpool. What a shock. It's Harry Carley. Mm. Hello, how are we doing? (laughs) Right, so without further ado, let's get started on our first round. So the opening round of the show pits one guest against another with a topic that I'll give them. To avoid absolute anarchy, each guest will get a brief opening statement and then a few minutes to debate and rebuttal the opponent. The other guest will join me in scoring the round and declaring a winner. Since we've got one fewer guests than normal, my vote will count as two points. So get ready to suck up to me, boys. Remember, the most important part is the argument. You could say that Nick Kyrgios is tennis's most professional player, and if you back it up well enough, you would win. Right, have we all got it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. okay, without further ado, it's over to George and Kia for this question. Donald Trump is finally out of the White House, having been banned from social media. But who is one sportsman you would like to shut up? Keir, since you've been on the show before, the floor is yours. Um, well, mine's is very simple. Um, it's, it's Robbie Savage. Um, <laughs> my problem with Robbie Savage is it's, it's, it's an equal part the moronic things that he says, but also what he represents. Um, and it's, it's, like, it's the creeping like, Americanism of punditry and, and, and British sports where like, it's all about like, I mean, this show is obviously feeling this as well, sadly. No, but I'm joking. <laughs> um, the, um, the, the, it's, it's all about the point you make. It doesn't matter what you say. Just say a take and go for it. Um, and in a situation of a podcast where it's fun like this, it's great. I want to watch it all day long. But if I'm watching, if I'm watching a, a Saturday afternoon match on BT Sport and I'm really excited for it, it's a big game and I've got Robbie Savage going on telling everyone how he was a world-class player back in his day. I'm like, why is this Why is this moron talking to me? And also, why is he dressed like a 19th century sailor? Like, I can't deal with it. Um, so basically, it's, it's, it's equally him, but also what he represents. I would, Robbie Savage is the one person I just wish would shut up and disappear. There we go. Brilliant. I mean, not sucking up to me by insulting the format of the show. Uh, in, a, in a fantastic way. Yeah. Um, right. George, um, who are you going for? Well, I, 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 at first I'd like to say that uh, Keir's right on, on a lot of things he says about Robbie Savage, and I think we can both agree that Robbie Savage is, is you know, is a stain on the on the, the world of football. <laughs> However, I, my, my pick is someone who I'd say is the antithesis of, of Robbie Savage, and it's Dion Dublin. And, and that's because rather than this, this creeping Americanism that, that Keir talks about, which is very true, Dion Dublin represents a very British Alan Partridge sense of, of what football commentary should be. And the, all this stems from is the United-Liverpool game the other week, where they, he kept using this really tortured metaphor of starters and mains. And it wasn't funny the first time, and he kept insisting that the first half was the starter and he hasn't been quite full. And the main, and it, So this is very much born out of one evening of, of anger, but, you know, he, the man's on homes under the hammer, so he shouldn't be in football. Okay, wonderful. Right, let's hear let's hear you bash it out. Kia, you can start. 
I mean, my response was going to be, but what about Homes Under the Hammer? I mean, if you shut Dion <laughs> Dublin up, you don't have Dion Dublin doing Homes Under the Hammer. And it's it's it's, it's incredible. It's God-tier daytime entertainment is, is, is Dion Dublin on Homes Under the Hammer. Um, I'll give you that he's 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 able to, you know, diversify his his repertoire. You know, not many yeah. footballers. I couldn't imagine, you know, I don't know, one of the crazy gang doing bargains. <laughs> so, you know, well done to him. But... Yeah. I, I, to be fair, I would I would love to see something like I don't know Razor Ruddock doing a place in the sun like it would just be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think my, my thing with Dion is at, at most sometimes you're like God Dion, you're a bit of an idiot. Shut up. Like that's that's the most I would get to with Dion Dublin. Whereas Robbie Savage weekly just makes me go why the hell is this man getting paid to talk about football like he, he's not even funny like there's a sort of hokey charm to Dion Dublin it makes you kind of giggle at sometimes the stuff he says but it's just I'm just like look at the quality of punditry Sky I've got and also the BT I've got on their roster like those nights where it's it's um Peter Crouch and Rio Ferdinand and Jimmy and Genus like it was during the week for the Spurs game and I'm like this is I could listen to these three talk about football all day long and then bloody Robbie Savage comes on in the advert break doing a Just Eat advert and I'm like no no go away leave yeah. me alone stop haunting my dreams but, but I'll put it I'll put it to you that this is exactly what BT wants you know Robbie Savage is by all accounts living rent free in your head and <laughs> that's what he's there for you know he's not gonna be he's not gonna get on Sky uh, or he's not going to overtake, you know, Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, and he, he's not going to be better than Peter Crouch. But what he is going to do is rile many more people than all of them put together. And that's why I think, you know, you need you need a joker in the pack. You need, mm. you know, someone on, on TV to, to, you know, stir it up a bit. What you don't need is someone to be really boring. <laughs> and that's what Jermaine Genus is. Yeah, I, I'll grant you, like, I'd rather have, I'd rather have um, Savage over Graham Souness. Like if you're lining up who I want to listen to, I'd rather have great. I'd, I'd, I'd rather clean dog poo at the bottom of my shoes. Listen to Graham Souness most of the time, but I, I think the thing about living red free in my head and annoying me and winding me up and 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 getting people talking about the stu stuff that he says is stupid. That's the thing that at the core of it that I hate because that is American like. It's like the morning panel shows on American t channels like ESPN, like first take of these programs. If anyone's ever seen those, that's what it's like. And it just, God, it winds me up. Okay, George, I'm not hearing enough defense though about why, why is uh, Dion Dublin the worst person? Why do you want to shut him up? <laughs> As I said to you in my, in my opening remarks and indeed in the chat before the show, this was born very much out of, you know, <laughs> one evening of, of anger, but, I, I think commentary has gotten to such a level and punditry has got to such a level where you either have the the god tier Gary Neville's, although the other night he was a bit shaky, but, you know, Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville, you know, god tier. And then you've got as the Jokers in the pack. There's no room for boredom anymore. I would argue that Alan Shearer falls into the boredom part and he should go as well. So I think, you know, I want my coverage exciting and Dion Dublin doesn't contribute to that. So please, Here, so, what do you yeah. say about that? Uh, I mean, I'm a big Shearer, I'm a big Shearer fan, um, so I'll, I'll, but I'm, I'm willing to accept that the, that the man doesn't light the room up um, with his uh, with his personality. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think give me give me dull dull and a bit a bit boring over infuriating any day of the week. <laughs> that's that's my that's my take. <laughs> okay, gonna call it there. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> that was hilarious. That, uh, that Harry... was that was fantastic. Really <laughs> yeah, Harry, that. what are your thoughts? Where are you going on this? No, it's it's a really tough one, lads. Because, and you know, I, I will admit, I thought 
Kia had that in the bag until George's final kind of statement there. I thought that was a, that was an amazing uh, contribution to the debate. All right, I'll, I'll start with with Savage because I'm pretty torn. I'm pretty torn on Savage. I remember. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kia. I think he started punditry. I think it was around 2013, 2014. He's been around for a yeah, long while. I think he was doing talk sport a bit before that, but certainly yeah. on TV personality, like presenting BT yeah. games and stuff is around about then, yeah. Yeah, I think I think he started on BT then. And I remember, I think it was literally a month into him starting a punditry, I read a Guardian article that had a title saying, please get Robbie Savage off our television screens. <laughs> and it, it was a really, really good article explaining just how silly the guy is and how he analyzes the game um i think on the, on the flip side of it it is he really does make me laugh and the, my fate one of my fate there's two things that i i've really enjoyed savage doing and it's when oxlade chamberlain won an fa cup with arsenal and um ox is the punditry kind of um cue is gerard savage and i think it's ferdinand I might have been a bit before Ferdinand. It was another player. And Ox goes on and talks about, oh, I always wanted to grow up to be uh, Steven Gerrard. Um, and Ge Gerrard kind of lo loves that. And then Savage is just in the background going, not me then. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> he, he, he knows he knows himself that he was not the best of, uh, of sentiment builders in the park. My other favourite thing, and it's not punditry to be fair, but it's when he was on TalkSport and it's last season when, Liverpool were ru running away with it at this point. And I don't know if any of you saw Statman Gaz, the City fan. Oh, he was absolutely fuming of the Liverpool's 3-0 win at Southampton and goes into all the stats about how VAR is kind of for Liverpool that season and things. And Savage just winds him up to the point where the guy's literally screaming at him on the other, on the other <laughs> line. It's amazing. But yeah, I, I do admit he's he's not the most knowledgeable. So who are you going to go with? Who are you going to give a point to? Yeah, it's a, it's a really tough one because Dublin, I, I admit, he's good on Homes, homes Against the Hammer as well. Um, homes Against I'm gonna the go Hammer. On, against <laughs> the Hammer, apologies. apologies. It's the demolition follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go with Kia for this one. Sorry, okay, George. Okay, one point for Kia. I, I think the fact that in all this there's not been a mention of Dean Dublin is a testament to how little we can remember what he actually says punditry-wise. Like, I thought that, again, I thought that yeah, Kia started really strong, but George made a good point that I mean, I almost cannot think of a single thing that Dylan Dublin has said, punditry. Precisely. Like, I, he's, he's not quite Michael Owen, but he's, but Michael Owen's almost com comically boring. Yeah, <laughs> Whereas Dylan Dublin's that. just boring. Um, you can remember Michael Owen saying that cramp is more painful than breaking a leg. Like, you. <laughs> <laughs> It's you know, incredible. Dion Dublin doesn't have any gems. No, yeah. I think his only gem is 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 what he says on Holmes and the Hammer. That whole um, you know, you got your bathrooms leading up. Oh, you got your your stairs leading up to the to the to the bedrooms. That's literally the only thing he talks about. <laughs> to the extent that the other day he was on BT and he mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I think I'm gonna go with George here. I'm gonna give my oh. two points to George. Oh. So. 2-1 to George. Congrats. But a cracking first round. Really enjoyed yeah, that. That was brilliant, lads. Right, well, uh, we're, Keir, you're straight up again. Um, and go. against Harry. <laughs> it's Harry this time. <laughs> um, your question is, so with Lam Frank Lampard having been sacked by Chelsea, what's a time when a legend should never have returned? Harry, you're going to start us off here. 
Uh, certainly, yeah. I mean, firstly, sorry to hear about lamps going, Michael. I'm sure you're, uh, you're incredibly upset. And <laughs> sadly, it is the Chelsea way. But the, the man I'm going to talk about today is Graham Sooners. And returning as Liverpool manager in 1991. He's already had a, a shout-out from Kia about how awful pundit he is. And unfortunately, that's not actually the reason why he's held in such disregard by Liverpool fans even to this day. Um, I do I do admit how he gets a wage from Sky is, is stealing a living, and it perplexes me. But um, there's, I think there's such few people who actually know the real story behind Sunez's return as manager. And for me... The testament of why he should never have returned is how incredible a player he was. He would be held in regard as a Liverpool legend if he'd never returned as manager. That's how good a player he was. Um, to paint a picture of when he returned, um, he so he joined in 1991, and this is just off the back of Liverpool winning their 18th league title with Kenny Dalglish. If any of you saw the 30-year wait documentary this year, you can uh, and have seen Liverpool fans on Twitter all, last summer who have been incredibly annoying. Um, uh, <laughs> impossible to avoid out. them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I admit I'm one of those people. But um, it's, been a, it's been a very long time since you're on the league. And looking back to the first season, it's, it's very Fergie, Moyes-esque how it, how it played out in that first year. It, it came at a time which was two years after the infamous Hillsborough disaster. And soon as his appointment made a lot of sense because he'd been away from the club as Rangers manager, um, and he he kind of been separated from the emotion of, of what that disaster was. Um, and he had that bit of managerial experience at Rangers. Um, but he came in and it was just an absolute disaster from the start. Um, to, to go back to his playing career, his accolades and his decorations, he spent seven years at Liverpool. Um, he was club captain for a large proportion of that time, and he ended up winning five league titles, three European Cups, and four League Cups. This was out of shadow, shadow of a doubt, the club's most successful point in its history. And he, as a player, was a clear focal point and, as I say, would be considered a club legend. But I think that makes it more astonishing that how the disregard that fans still have for him today. Um, his managerial career at the club lasted three seasons, which I think is probably too long. Um, and he's incredibly lucky it lasted that long because the culture of the club from you know, Bill Shankly in the early 70s was to hire from within and they would never, ever sack a manager. Um, and it actually got to the point where he resigned for the good of the club. And for a man of the ego the size of his, it shows just how bad it was going. <laughs> um, there's there's so many ex-players that have been kind of interviewed um, about Sooners. And so many, like John Barnes, um, have said it was far too early in his managerial career to step into a, a role so big. Is that Shades of Frank Lampard, Michael? Sure. <laughs> yeah, it sounds very uh, similar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the biggest criticism that he tried to change too much uh, so quickly with regards to the culture um, and the boot room culture. And in his first season, he finished sixth. Uh, and then obviously from there, the club didn't go on to win a title for another 30 years. Going beyond football and just how, how bad his, his reign was, the, one of the biggest no-nos, if you're a, a, even a small part of the football club, is that you don't talk to the Sun newspaper. And after their horrendous lies in, in that they wrote in the wake of the Hillsborough disaster, and even Klopp in his first or second interview with the club flat out refused to speak to a Sun journalist. Um, Sunez sold a story to the Sun whilst he was manager, which completely and utterly tarnished his relationship with the club's 
far more so than his actual performance on the pitch did. Um, and I don't think that's something that the fan base have ever gotten over. And he, he himself regrets it to this day. He's quoted it in his autobiography. Um, but for me, yeah, I would argue he should never, ever have returned as a manager. And if he was just the player that he was, that he would be a local legend. All right. Well, that was it was a comprehensive, but uh, a very good answer. OK, um, Kia, what's yours? Well, someone else has been mentioned earlier on and also someone else related to Liverpool. Um, my legend who should never have come back is Michael Owen should never have come back to England from Real Madrid. Um, Michael Owen, it, it, there's, there's an argument that could have been made, I think, that Michael Owen was the best English footballer of the last 30 to 40 years. There was there was a period in time from 98 sort of through 2003, just before the time where he went to where he went to Real Madrid, um, Ballon d'Or winner at 21, um, every, all his exploits at the World Cup, the fact that he was a, just an untouchable athlete, like this insane um, dynamo up front who could just just destroy defenses single handedly in a way that I, I, no English player has ever done what he does. He doesn't he doesn't play like any other English player. It doesn't exist. Wayne Rooney was obviously incredible, but it was power as well as speed. And it was never the speed that that, that Owen had. But it goes beyond the point. Michael Owen leaves, um, he leaves the English game regarded as one of, if not the best players in, in, in the country, if not the world. And um, even though the injuries were starting to creep in and he had a few hamstring injuries and there was a little sort of an insight into what was to come. I don't think anyone had any idea what was going to come for the rest of his career. And he goes to Real Madrid and fairly successful time he doesn't have a bad time in madrid by any means but he starts he starts two-thirds of his games roughly he scores a goal every every other game and it's, it's, it's a decent ratio he has he has a good time in madrid um but when the managerial change comes towards the end of his time and owen basically was presented with the option of having to fight for a new manager at the point where the galacticos were starting to like they were coming apart or to come back to england um and the, my argument is that he should never have come back to England. He, obviously, you can never have predicted what would happen with the injuries to him that came back. It, it was it, there was a biological issue with him that led to led to his body breaking down, <laughs> um, obviously. Um, but yeah, I remember he's, I think he's talked about afterwards. He's found he had he had muscle imbalance that just meant that it was always going to happen. Whatever happens, he was going to break down in his career. But the issue was coming back to England in the way that he did. Um, he also, he at the point where he was coming back, and um, Liverpool did make an offer to try and resign him. But they didn't have enough money. They couldn't get to the money that Newcastle were offering. So he took Newcastle's offering, came back, and um, and in his time in Newcastle alone, um, this this was in the space of he, he joined them in 2006, I think it was, um, and he was there until 2009. And um, in that time, he ruptured a cruciate ligament. Um, he missed 50 days with hamstring injuries. He missed with multiple illnesses, groin strains, ankle injuries, and hamstring injuries again. He was just riddled with injuries and what happened to Michael Owen was it's it wasn't just that he became a shadow of the player that he was and um, he lost the shine of how incredible his early days were um to a point where Michael Owen's not even talked about in the same bracket as any of those players from his era no one talks about Michael Owen the way people talk about Paul Scholes the way people talk about Ryan Giggs the way people talk about Stephen Gerrard the way people talk about it when individually he might have been more talented and more successful than all of them at a particular period in his career um, and it's it's remarkable that he's gone from not only being not just seen as oh he was a good player who was injured and it's such a shame we never got to see it for a full career too people don't even talk about him being that good of a player anymore and um, 
And I think the worst thing of all was coming back to England, having injuries and damage to his body that he did, meant that he was so out of favour. He jumped at the first contract that was given to him, the first opportunity someone gave to him the top flight, which was United. And doing that meant that he lost his reputation with Liverpool fans too. And he lost he lost the love of the fan base that held him in such high regard. So he went from not even being a hero in his country, not being recognised as a good player, to not even really having a fan base that sees him as a great player in their club's history. And it just completely ruined the reputation of a legend. So that's, and now the world's uh, worst pundit. <laughs> the world's worst pundit. But, right. but incredibly, I, I do recommend watching his Dubai tourism videos if no one's seen those yet. Get to YouTube, watch, watch Michael Owen's Dubai tourism <laughs> videos. They're incredible. But, um, right, Harry, let's open up this debate. What do you want to say about that? I just think it's really tactical from Kia to use Owen against me here. Yeah. To argue <laughs> <in> Owen's favour. <laughs> um, thanks for that, Kia. Um, <laughs> you know, for me... Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's a tough one because I think United fans actually hold him in reasonable regards. George, are you a United fan? I am indeed, yeah. Yeah, I saw you shake, uh, you nodding your head before. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, I mean, he, 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 leaves, <laughs> he, he leaves United. <laughs> he leaves United with that iconic four-three winner against City. You know, in mm. in that Manchester derby, that. To be honest, I think it's probably the best thing that he did coming back to it, which yeah. isn't I saying... I would argue it's the booklet that he produced to give yeah. the clubs the best <laughs> thing he ever did. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, um, it's 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 a really tough one. And, and he hasn't gone on to have an illustrious punditry career either, um, being sacked as a commentator as well, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, why I would argue Tunes has had a... a a greater fall from grace is just everything that goes along. I think he, he had far more accolades um, as a as a player than than Owen did, um, and I, I actually I think that's a debate in itself. Who do who do Liverpool fans hate more, Sunez or Owen? It, <laughs> it will be the winner of the of this debate. But no, I mean fair play, Keir. That was a very resounding argument. I got so right. Well, Keir, what would you say about? Because uh, I think Sunez. I mean, it's pretty. That's a pretty atrocious record he had. I think he had a bad record as a manager, but the thing that tarnished Souness's reputation more than anything was the Sun story. And I don't think that so much is to do with him returning. He returned to the club, which he shouldn't have done as a manager, but there's been other times where legendary players have returned to clubs, had an absolutely torrid time as a manager, and then after a few months, everyone forgets about it and goes back to putting their arm around him. I mean, even Shearer, go yeah, back Shearer. to... Like, Shearer, Shearer got Newcastle relegated. Newcastle fans don't care. They couldn't care less. It's Alan Shearer. Think, He's gone. In fairness, because everyone else has got them relegated as well. Since then. Yeah, yeah, true. true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, like, for me, I think the, the thing with Owen was... I, I, the perfect player that I compare Owen to now is, as a Spurs fan is Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale has had the same issues that Michael Owen has had in his career in terms of a chronic muscular injuries that have sapped him of all the pace and excitement and dynamism that he had as a younger player. But it happened in Spain and no one talked about it. Mike, Gareth Bale came back this summer and, and I, I, I remember, I'm, I, I'm so, I mean, I've got a shirt, I've got a shirt, I've got his new nine Gareth Bale shirt in the, in, in the cupboard behind me. Like, I, I was so excited about it. And all the Real Madrid fans that online and, and, and a few that I knew were like, he's a shadow of himself like it's gone like the, the, the Gareth Bale that you knew is gone and I was like no it's Gareth Bale he's, he's gonna come back he's get healthy he'll play again he'll be fine and he came back and he was a shadow of himself but how can the most successful British export uh, in terms of trophies and football's one 
a global superstar who plays for the biggest club in the world, potentially, probably, Real Madrid, be, be on that big of a profile and people in the UK don't know, don't even know that he's lost everything. Be, it's because he's over there. It's because he's in Spain. It's because you don't see him every week. Just being that little bit removed has kept his legacy intact so much still that if I think if Bale goes back this summer and goes to Madrid and finishes his career, I think he'll be held regarded as an absolute legend when his impact on the Premier League was shorter and less successful than Michael Owens was. I'm a bit confused how this relates to Michael Owen. <laughs> no, no, I said, I said, I said because, because Michael, Owen, Michael Owen came back to England. That's the problem. Michael Owen came back to England and had his injuries here and everyone saw him as the shadow of himself and was like, oh, and saw the breakdown and it lost all of the legacy of his early career, which was longer and more successful than Gareth Bale's. Whereas Gareth had his injuries in Spain and, and has kept his reputation intact because of it. If he'd have just stayed in Spain in Real Madrid or gone to another big club in Europe, I don't think we, he would be seen as such it's such a disappointment for for british football fans because it would have been out of the out of the spotlight um, so, so, much. so basically care what you're saying is you're very anti spain to england immigration yeah that's not sucking okay. up to me at all <laughs> <laughs> now i'm saying you'll be better if you stay there no, <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa. I, think, um, I think i think just Reflecting back on the Sunez versus Owen debate, I think it's you can't underestimate that when Sunez came in as manager, Liverpool were at the peak of their powers, um, and it was unheard. It was obviously a long time before before our time, um, before of us. But it was it would have been unheard of to think of of this Liverpool side completely collapsing, not winning a title for thirty years afterwards. And he is the pinnacle. He is you know that focal point that, that started the, you know, the, the wheels coming off the bus kind of thing. And um, I think a lot of what Sunez had in his locker, he had a lot of choice in his actions. He It was his choice to change the culture of the club. It was his, cha- it was his choice to speak to the Sun newspaper. Owen, you know, those injuries, I think they weren't his choice. I think he was <laughs> incredibly unlucky with those injuries. Um, and... I think, and just another thing to add is, you think it's, it, I don't think he actually regrets coming back to England. I think the choices he he made, on the whole, he regrets. I think he would have preferred to come back to Liverpool. But I mean, George, how many trophies did he actually end up winning at United? I think he ended up winning. He definitely won a Premier League or two, yeah. which I think you know more than Steven Gerrard ever did, um, which breaks my heart to say. But he going to United tarnished his relationship with Liverpool, but. You know, it but definitely increased his trophy record. Yeah, that's the argument about Torres, isn't it? Really, but Chelsea. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. But I think the thing that it boils down to, it, and and I agree that he's won his trophies, he's he's got everything. But if if you ask, if you ask nowadays, if actually you don't even need to ask, if you look nowadays, who has a bigger profile, more standing, and more respect in football? It's the man who's on Sky Sports every week. It's the man who still has a voice. It's the man like like Sunes Sunes has given more airtime and 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 in the world of football than Michael Owen. Michael the bar Owen is, is Michael so Owen. low. But exactly, if, if Graham Sunes, if Graham Sunes is given more airtime and more ability to speak, and 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 his voice is seen as more more worthy to listen to than Michael Owen's. Does that not say something about just how bad Michael Owen's reputation is in football? Just, uh, just, just on Sunez as a pundit, I think 
Roy Keane is just as bad of a pundit, but he's just far more entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're good pundits. I don't think no. there's actually that many I think they're good both pundits. Terrible. No. <laughs> I think our insistence on having ex-footballers be pundits actually doesn't always work. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm going to call it there. Um, very strong round. Very interesting uh, sort of arguments because again there were similarities because both Liverpool legends, but also very different sort of ways that you went about it. George, what's your take on this? Well, I think that the, the the thing I took away from all that is is Liverpool fans um, have been annoyed by many many people. That's <laughs> <laughs> the bottom line from that one. I uh, Graham Souness is is. They're both they're both clowns. I I, I think you know, <laughs> and, and ha- not having a personal connection to to Liverpool in the slightest, it kind of I'm detached from this discussion. Michael Owen came to United, scored that goal, but other than that, I mean, I'll paint the picture of we just sold Ronaldo, you know, the greatest <laughs> player in living living memory. Who takes his number seven shirt? Michael Owen, like on a free. Right, like, so I think. Was, yeah. so that's he, so he, funny I didn't he know leaves that. united more as a just a, well that was funny you know it was kind of a got one over on liverpool kind of thing so he still doesn't go with the highest reputation um he did produce that booklet which i think was always worth him coming back to england for <laughs> that 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 cheers me up so much uh graham Souness signed Ali Dyer when he came back to when he when he came back to in, came into management. I know that isn't oh, the Oh I uh, forgot about that. Yeah, that that's not strictly related, but it's a favourite story of mine. That's <laughs> yeah. fantastic story. I, I think I'm gonna have to go with, with Harry and Graham Soonest though, because the Sun thing is, is unforgivable and 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 it you know it he should have known better. Michael Owen, I mean his time when he came back to Newcastle and, and, and all his argument with Shearer over Twitter just you know it's in part his fault but also he couldn't help that his legs were made of glass so yeah i think that harry made a really yeah yeah, i think harry made a really good point when he sort of said you know um soonest is being discussed by the choices he made whereas as you kind of admitted Keir, this was going to happen to owen no matter what like his Mm. his body was going to deteriorate yeah um just about where it happened really yeah, yeah, I mean, there's an argument to be said that he should never have left uh, Liverpool. I think there's a strong argument there, but um, but I yeah, I just think it's got to be it's got to be Sooners for what I mean the Sun newspaper part and and it's just for how shocking, <laughs> how bad the uh, just how bad it all went <laughs> really. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with so all three points there went to Harry. <sighs> Oh, I'm getting cooler um, today. Thank you, James. Yeah, I don't care. You're gonna, have to, you're gonna have to put it out in the blind round, right? I'm so excited for this next question because um, I love films, right? So uh, this final question of our scene head-to-heads, it's Harry and George debating this. Stardust, a film about rock legend David Bowie, has been released uh, recently. But what is the greatest sports movie of all time? George, you can start us off. This is such a hard question because, you know, when, when I got asked, my initial reaction was cool runnings. And <laughs> I was just going to leave it at that because that is a personal favourite of mine. But I don't think there's been a single film in any sport and, and well, I mean, any sport, but certainly football that comes close to the roster of stars that The Great Escape could. Sorry, not The Great Escape, Escape to Victory. <laughs> Escape to Victory. I lose automatically there. No, Escape to Victory. <laughs> can roll out you know Pele Bobby Moore 
Sylvester Stallone, you know, <laughs> great footballers of our time. But it it's one of those films that Sunday, Sunday afternoon, is it on? Yes. Am I watching it? Yes. Easy peasy. Great story. Sense of British pride. And, and just, you know, how, how, many, how many films have, you know, just great footballers in it acting? You know, I, I, riddle me that. No, non, non, no one else has. <laughs> All right, um, ha- Harry, oh, sorry. Harry, well, we'll go to Harry for your opening statement. What's, what's your favourite? Yeah, so um, I have gone for Coach Carter. Now, please interject uh, during my statement if you can name me uh, your, your favourite Samuel L. Jackson film, because for me, this one really just tops it. Um, Snakes and... on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> fair play, fair play. Pulp Fiction's all right too, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, I mean, you've gone for one of those schemed actors. <laughs> Yeah, but for me, like it, it, this is his film where he he is the lead, and the story that he as the actor tells, um, I just think it's it's incredible, and not just in a sports category, but more more like in general. It's obviously based um, on a true story of how this basketball coach starts coaching a basketball team at a very very underprivileged high school in America, and literally turns these young lads' lives around, and he goes far beyond them just playing incredible basketball. Where, at high school level, but his his mission is to bring these these really troubled kids up and to get them into college, being his end goal. And it's the drama behind it is incredible. How um, the, he ends up shutting the gyms because uh, his team aren't performing well in the classroom and at this rate won't be getting into college, which causes the entire town um, to in uproar it gets in the media and it ends up going to court whether he should unlock gyms and stuff it's so dramatic but the scene that really sticks out for me is that he loses in court and they open the gym and there his basketball team are with just exam desks in in the gym doing doing their work thinking like i'm gonna work for you um the discipline that goes into it thematic um elements of systemic racism teenage pregnancy um just and just the 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 injustice system in america i think is really highlighted so well in the film as well um i i I love that film so much and um i remember watching it at a time where of like i had some disappointment that was very trivial like i think it was um i had bad exam results in as levels and um for me a sports movie um is something that motivates you and i remember watching it that night of getting bad exam results thinking like you know what? You know what, Samuel Jackson? I'm gonna work harder next year. And, uh, that's why I got into the University of Sheffield. <laughs> All right, okay, uh, George, let's hear from you first. Let's get this debate going. So Two I, very different films. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, I think I think the thi- Harry set out, you know, the thinking man's piece there, the the the, the, the beard strokers film of choice, sports film of choice. But you know, he's talking about all these themes that are incredibly important but i think the second world war and all its horror trumps <laughs> all of the all of the issues you know this is this is the future of democracy on earth we're talking about and they managed to they managed to you know push that on by beating the germans in a game of football i, I just i think you know that film's incredible you, when you think about it <laughs> yeah exactly you know I fun, a fun fact about this, Zoltan Gera is in that film. 
Sorry. <laughs> Sultan Gira, the, the West Brom legend. No, oh, I, just, wow. just, I found out in my research there's a, a an actor called Zoltan Gira. Uh, and I, was reading it, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, what? He wasn't born yet. But that's just an, a, a, an aside. You know, Craig Cathcart in next yeah, scene as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, one of the most harrowing scenes in, in film history is when their keeper you know stallone's in the box or in the in the in solitary confinement he's the goalkeeper and the, the goalkeeper they replaced him with they, they you know they just need stallone you know he, he's got the golden glove many times you know they just need him back so they break the goalkeeper's arm the spare goalkeeper's arm they they lie him on it lie on a table and stand on it and it breaks and as a kid that scene has stuck with me for the rest of my life. It's harrowing. <laughs> and of course it succeeds. And let us not forget, they could have escaped. They could have run away. Much like Coach Carter, you know, you could have run away from your problems. No, you could run away from your problems. They could have escaped at half time, but they didn't. They stayed and, you know, they should have won. Let's, you know, they had a goal disallowed that, that was an actual goal, but they stayed and they, they you know, they, they, they proved to the world that they could beat the Third Reich in a game of football. I love the fact that um, Sylvester Sloan, I think he's like 5'8", and he has made himself a heavyweight boxer and a goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> to, I mean, I mean that's the story goals. of, if you're sat there thinking you're A-level, ASs were rubbish. St Sylvester Stallone's managed to convince the world he's an actor. Like, that's the, that's <laughs> the feel-good story of a... Of a, of a All right, Harry, let's hear it from you. Okay, why why is Coach Carter <laughs> better than Escape to Victory? Oh, man, honestly, I, I haven't seen Escape to Victory for so long but just the way you were describing it then it just all came back to me like that, <laughs> that's, that's an incredible film um it's, it's 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 a really tough one because these are really different films but um yeah i i just i think that for me there's just so many iconic films through uh scenes throughout coach carter like the way the way he comes in and seeing how troubled these you know young american lads are and you know how bad they actually are at basketball as well. I, I concede I'm not the biggest professional basketball fan. I, I do wish I watched because I do think it's a great sport. But like just seeing the discipline that went into the training um, and the, the classic cliche is like being a great player on and off the pitch. But how his end goal isn't just for them to win the league title. Um, it's, it's to get them into college and to better their lives in the end and how, how much care he puts into his squad. I think there's so much more realism in, in the film as well. And I always... Oh, escape to victory. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'd like no. to make that argument. Objection, um, Your Honour. Are, are you suggesting that Pele wasn't in a PMW? <laughs> no, he added those yeah, goals I, only, I, to I, his I, uh, overall tally as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, love, I love a film that know doesn't end in a fairy tale as well and they end up losing this final game um but i love how the the, the deeper story is that they all get into college and go on to better better their lives and you know who doesn't love a young bald channing tatum i think he <laughs> he looks you know he, yeah he looks pretty <laughs> sexy throughout this entire film that's I mean, a good they did, argument they did uh... win the game but they escaped not to victory to to, to a, a stalemate, but they, they escape nonetheless. And you know, 
one could make the argument, and I've heard historians make the argument, that losing that game, because it is based on a true story, of course, losing that game, you know, marked the end for the for, for Hitler and uh, the war in Europe. <laughs> As someone who studies history, I'm very intrigued <laughs> to know who these I have it on good are. authority, don't worry. <laughs> Oh man, I need. To, I, I I might watch this film tonight. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I'm gonna call it there. Um, both very different films. Um, Keir, where are you going for it? There's two. The arguments did two very different things for me. I think George has made me want to watch Escape to Victory tonight <laughs> more than Harry's made me want to watch Coach Carter. I want. I want to go into the living room and I want to get Escape to Victory on. And, and, and I'm going to say 80, 80 to 85% of that is just just sliced alone. Like, that's, I just want to go watch Sylvester Stallone be a goalie. I'm not, I'm genuine, I don't think I've seen that film in about a decade, but it's, I, I do really go watch it. But we're talking about all time here. We're talking about all time. And it's, it's the iconic things Harry's saying. It's those scenes, those moments, the courtroom scene, the the speech, like, it's and also like as it is, it is like the quintessential Samuel L. Jackson as you were saying like it is when you when you think of Samuel L. Jackson it's like it's Pulp Fiction it's Snakes in a Plane or it's Coach Carter um it's I am I'm a huge basketball fan I I don't I don't see it as a basketball film it's not it's not my favorite basketball film I don't I don't even think it's my top five favorite actual basketball films I mean Semi Pro is number one obviously but um, <laughs> I think. As a, as a film, as a sports film, as a film that does what a sports film should do, that thing you were saying, the motivation, the uplifting, like that, that it does all that stuff that, that fills a fills a, fills a hole in a sports film for me. So it, to me, I would say it is the better of the two. So I'm going to go with Harry, but it's still, it's not Mike Bassett, England manager, but Harry does get the point. Okay. Mike, I cannot believe no one said Mike Bassett. I'm sitting here just waiting for, <laughs> just waiting for Mike Bassett. That wasn't the obvious choice. <laughs> I, I was really, so I got, I got George's answer first, saying that he was going to pick uh, Escape to Victory. And um, I was really hoping Harry was going to say Rocky. <laughs> we were going to have, we were going to have a Sylvester Stallone fight. Um, but, which, um, which one? Which, which Rocky? Rocky Four. Rocky Four. <laughs> uh, it's got to be Ivan Drago, I'm oh, a Rocky Two fan. I'm a big Rocky Two. I mean, they're fan. all great. They're all yeah. on. They're all. You can get them all on Netflix, I think, right now. Um, anyway, sponsored. Um, yeah, sponsored. Yeah, sponsored by Netflix. Sponsored by Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm. Look, I love both the arguments. I haven't seen Coach Carter. I will say, um, but I just, as Keir was saying, one of those arguments made me really want to go and watch the film, and it was it was George's argument. I, I thought it was. It's just. It's just such a. I think it's the quintessential sports film. Not necessarily a, a, a proper quality film, but when you want the kind of, you know, your dad puts it on, he loves it. It's just so. Even though it's not British, really, it's so weirdly British as a film. Um, and it's just, it's you know, how many films have got Pele and Bobby? Uh, is it more Charlton? Is it more? more. Yeah, in it, and um, I feel Charlton's too miserable for the, for. for the <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna go with George. Um, I'm gonna give my two points to George, but both very good answers. Okay. Fair play, fair play. Um, so after the first round, the scores are this in last place, one point. I'm sorry to say, it's Kia. I've already won. I'm fine. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> um, go and watch Escape to Victory, and then yeah, it's exactly. joint, and in joint first is George and Harry. 
<laughs> but it's still all to play for. So now we're going to go into the blind round. The rules here are slightly different. This time, the guests will give their answers before they get the question. No matter what they've picked, they have to defend it to the death. Since there are three of you today, you'll get one minute to defend the same question. I'll then give out three points to whoever I deem the winner. So, Kia, you... you you could still draw. Uh, yes. And we haven't figured out how that'll work for afterwards. <laughs> um, so, okay. Name a sportsman. Dejan Lovren. <laughs> Dejan Lovren. Stretches the definition there, Great. mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is um, You don't know what the question is. <laughs> name I know, sportsman. but this is the thing, because it could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, you know what? I'll go for... I'll go for Rafael Nadal. Rafa Nadal, okay. Uh, Dejan Lovren, Rafa Nadal, and oh no, I don't know. Uh, let's go. Let's go Anderson. <laughs> Anderson, okay, <laughs> right. Now I want you to say why they would make the best prime minister. <laughs> okay. Right. Hmm. So, uh, since you're in joint top, um, I'm gonna just have. George, you're going to go first. Okay, you've got one minute. All right, I'm going to time it to say why Anderson would make the best prime minister. Go. I think leaders, you know, the long, the the longest serving prime ministers in the, in the UK, they've they've never ended ended particularly, you know, strongly. Whereas Anderson, you know, he had for for his moment of brilliance, his short moment of brilliance. I think, you know. He, he could have he was the greatest politician in in England at that time never mind footballer you know <laughs> and the way he organized a united midfield that featured you know skulls and Owen a uh, good Owen Hargreaves you know he was the organizer in that midfield and not many people have the gravitas to organize Paul skulls uh, let alone you know run run the country <laughs> <laughs> so you know and and I just think he was he was friendly. You, you want seconds. a leader to be friendly. You don't want someone to come out. We've had enough of presidential leaders. You want someone like Jimmy Carter, you know? You want someone <laughs> to be friendly. And that's what I think Anderson does. Okay. We've got three seconds left, but... <laughs> right. Can I use that three seconds to say that was really, really horrible? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did. I love how you went. I don't. Let's not go presidential and then named president. (laughs) Well, he was the least presidential of all the presidents. Okay, um, Harry, why is Dejan Lovren the best prime minister? So for me, I think that the two biggest qualities in a prime minister is you know the size of their ego and the the level of delusion. Um, I think we're seeing it with just how Boris Johnson has handled the coronavirus pandemic, but. For a player like Dejan Lovren to believe that he is the best centre-back in the world, I mean, some of his quotes are just legendary. Um, for example, when he got to Croatia to the um, final exactly. of the World Cup alone, um, he's, he, was clearly, he was clearly, you know, a lad in the dressing room at local football club also. You know, you don't get a player like Mo Salah to be your best friend. You aren't just the absolute boy. Um, and, you know... He's he's uh he he, lo- he loves a pint. Um, I don't know why I said that, but um, you know I think as long as you can believe that you're doing a good job, you know that that is that is the, the essence of okay. Uh, of time's up. 
you, you, you basically just made Deja Lovren sound like Nigel Farage there. I've <laughs> 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 um, got an impressive amount of satire coming on yeah. the head-to-head show today. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, right, lastly, um, Rafa Nadal as the best Prime Minister. Kia, go. I made it there and I don't know a lot about tennis. Um, but <laughs> the, the reason I've gone for Nadal, and I think the reason he would be a fantastic prime minister, is it's it's his, it's he has incredible versatility. He clearly has a real skill set and talent in what he does, which is clay court surfaces. But the man's also incredible across different surfaces too. He shows he shows an ability to adapt to new environments. He's also a global ambassador. You need that now in today's world, it's connected world, multiple language speaker, big fan of the EU from what I've gathered. I think pretty sure he is. And um, you know, tr- which I think I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I I, I also like it. Um, and I think that, um, that would be nice to have in a prime minister nowadays. Um, but I think more than anything, he's he's got to have good financial sense inherited. The man's won a lot of money. Good at balancing the books. Good at getting ambassadorships. Good at getting sponsorships. I mean. Come on, you want a man who's in charge of the purse strings, who's able to communicate and lead and talk out to the world, and also have fantastic biceps. Okay, time's up. So... <laughs> <laughs> strong what finish. Yeah, strong, strong finish. finish. Um, He's yeah, won a lot I of think... money, so basically, He's... like, the world champion of bridge is going to be like. Exactly. The best. I mean, exactly. can I say three incredibly <laughs> different <laughs> arguments? We have one basically saying the thing that makes you a good prime minister is to have the biggest ego. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I look, they were all very funny. Um, oh God, I've got three points here. They've got all the power. I thought George. Uh, I like the point about um, about Anderson being able to organise that midfield. I would have liked him more to say the political skills to stay in that <laughs> Manchester United team for that long <laughs> by eliminating up. all his people <laughs> yeah. around him. Yeah. yeah, it's a house of cards situation. <laughs> um, Dejan Love is hilarious. He's just such a funny footballer <laughs> um, in, in just what he's done and how what he's gone about saying it. But I think I'm going to go and give him a lifeline here. I'm going to go for Kia. Um, <sighs> Because I agree, I think having massive biceps is what you need as a prime minister. Yeah, uh, it's we... a really underrated quality. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and the, the, just the fact that he's this ambassador, I was like, yeah, you know what? These are yeah. actually political points, which puts us in the situation we've never been in before, going into the final head-to-head, which is that all three of you are drawing. So, in the fairest way possible, I'm going to write <laughs> two numbers down between one and ten. <laughs> And you're going to be able to take it in turns to have a guess. (laughs) The two get it right, we'll go through. So, Kia. Seven. Harry. Four. George. Three. George are the first one through. Yes. Kia. I can guess a good number. (laughs) Eight. Kier is the next one to do. Harry, I'm so I an incredible comeback at the end by Kier there. <laughs> yeah, huge congrats, lads. You know that fully answer. I had to make that up on the spot. <laughs> I was like I, I was listening to Kiers and going, Oh, bloody hell, I'm gonna have to give him the win. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> um, 
I'll tell right. you my favourite part. Raphael Adele's actually apolitical and got in trouble for um, saying that he did believe elections worked. I can't <laughs> believe I burgled the through to the final for getting that. <laughs> Come on. Has he actually done that? Did you just yeah, that so during, during the During COVID, um, him, and, him and Djokovic got into equal trouble. Djokovic for his anti-vax stance and Nadal for basically being like I regret voting for the Socialist Party and um, I don't really believe any of this is working and just basically being like I don't I don't think the people Honestly, are getting the representation want they want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, um, in this unprecedented way. Right, we've got two of you in the final. Okay. Keir, you know how this works, but George, so I'm going to give you one statement. One of you has to defend it and the other has to argue against it. So there's no contrary here. You don't get a time to debate. You just get 20 seconds each to make your case. Right, Keir, since you escaped in, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to go first, but I'm going to give you the chance whether to defend or attack the statement, okay? okay? It's quite a simple question. 20 seconds each. A manager should always be given at least two years. Keir, what are you saying? True or false? I'm going to say false. Okay. Right, I'm going to start with you. So, false. So a manager should not be given, always be given two years. Go. I think a manager should only be given two years if he's not trying to completely destroy the culture of a club and change something that shouldn't be changed. David Moyes is a perfect example of this. Moyes had to go after eight months. Moyes came in, tried to rip up everything that was a United way, make it in his image and change what Ferguson was too much too quickly. And it basically completely damaged the club and set it back decades. He had okay, to pulled it when he was. Strong, strong. Mm, very strong. Right. George, so you're arguing in favour of a manager should always be given at least two years. Three, two, one, go. If properly backed, you know, it, managers have a tra- get transfer windows. They can't, one transfer window or even, you know, two or three. Players don't settle in that quickly. Look at Fred. It's taken him years to actually get, you know, to the level of the Premier League. You can't judge a manager based on the players, you know, not gelling quick enough. So I think, you know, it's only fair to give him enough time. Okay. Ooh, ooh, it's tough. Oh, it's close. Yeah, Harry, what do you think? Where are you? Who, do you? who would you side with here? I mean, it's all my decision, but who would you decide? Who would you go with? <laughs> you know, it like seeing the way Kia develops his arguments. He he's very strategic and tactical. I mean, going for Moisey as the, the example there. You know, it's, uh, it's a bit of a cheap shot, but I like it. I, I like the style. <laughs> um, likewise, George, I think George um, George using Fred as an example. Good example, although Fred's a player, not a manager. I thought you'd go with Ole. I was really expecting My, my argument was the, play, the players, yeah. you know, they, yeah. they have no, to gel. Definitely. The manager, you know. But... It's, it's a tough one, mate. I think I think you've got a tough decision on your hands. I think both yeah. uh, both did incredibly well. I, ooh, because uh, I think, obviously, this is a, this is a especially sore spot for, for as a Chelsea fan right now. Um... <laughs> I think I'm going to go with George here, actually. I think that the argument about, yeah, you it's you need time for players to settle in. You need time for, if you're going to, you, you need at least a couple of transfer windows to sort of start getting your team ready. Or my football manager right now, you know, we started <laughs> poor, but uh, my players have settled in now. We're top of the league, okay? <laughs> South end are going all the way to the top. Uh, <laughs> so for that reason, uh, I'm going to go with George as the winner of the Head to Head podcast. Congratulations. Well Congratulations. Congrats, mate. Yes. Worked very well. Deserved. Right. Before we leave, have any of you got anything to plug or anything? 
Um, I'll plug my own football manager. Um, I am 20 <laughs> games into my second season with Leon. Um, we're, we're undefeated um, with a plus 56 goal difference through 20 games. I'm the single greatest football manager in the world. Um, someone hire me. Um, that's my plug. <laughs> I thought Thomas Deschel started his managerial career at 27. So, uh, Seriously? Yeah. I'm old then. I'm missing out. I'm a year behind him. I've got to sort um, it out. I know, incredible. <laughs> my, my plan is to make a lot of money in journalism and then go and do my UA for coaching badges. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, I've got this dream of my football manager that I'm like a sports reporter <laughs> that's like managed to get into football management. Pop <laughs> like started, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much to my guests for their phenomenal work today. Tune in next week for more arguments, debate, and perhaps even some knowledge i've been your host michael saliba and thank you for listening in